0: Michael Levitin, and this is episode three of The Tell. So I've been curating The Tell live series for about a year now, and I started seeing patterns emerge in the stories I was choosing. You can't help it. (laughs) There are certain stories you're attracted to um, over and over again in different form. And one of the things I noticed, I noticed how many of the stories were about someone forced by circumstance to look at the humanity of someone that they didn't really see as a person until that moment. You know, like, it could be somebody who's just doing a job or someone peripheral to their life, someone that they didn't even plan on talking to, but they're somehow forced to see that that person has a past, and that past is, is there influencing the behavior in the present. Um, I, I, I love every time that happens in real life, when, you, when you're uh, shown someone's humanity suddenly, when you didn't expect it, when you weren't looking for it. So we have uh, stories from Brendan Cook, and Jack Dischel, and a live performance by Ariel East, uh, accompanied by John Coward on piano. This is episode three of The Tell.
1: There was this period of time where I found myself kind of uh, going back and forth from uh, D.C. and, and uh, New York. And uh, I'm an expert at the Megabus. So I, I, um, I, I had come down to Maryland for some business, like for like a day. Um, and my like, dad and my youngest brother were like away. And it was just my mom uh, at, at home. And uh, I came and I was going to leave the next day in New York. And my mom was all like, Brendan, stay, stay. I'm like, no, I'm just going to go. And uh, turns out, while I'm in I'm in Maryland, my friend Moses Sumney, who's like a really amazing singer and performer, he's like playing this show at Constitutional Hall. He's opening for Sophia Stevens. I'm like, I got to go. I got to go see my friend. You know? Uh, and he's like, yeah, I'll hook you up. Just bring me some of your mama's cooking. And I was like, easy. So my mom, like, you know, she like cooks some stuff and... Uh, we go to go over to Constitutional Hall, watch the show. It's great. You know, like Moses and I were hanging out, we're drinking and stuff, watching Sophie and Stevens, we're crying about it, parents and things. <laughs> and um I'm feeling great. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going back to New York tonight. You know? I'm like, I haven't bought my ticket for the next day. Um I'm just gonna like. Do a red eye, which I've never done before. I always like go early in the morning, but I'm like, I, I'm gonna get like a midnight bus. I'll be in the city at like five or six, the sun's rising. I'll just I'll make it up to like Harlem, that's where I was living back then, uh by like seven, and I'll just start my day, or I'll just go to sleep or whatever. I'm unemployed, it's cool. So um so um I like text my mom, I'm like, hey, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna I'm gonna dip. I didn't bring any bags, I'm gonna dip. She's like don't take a a, a a red-eye bus. Like, you don't know the, like, people. Like, it's a whole other thing. I'm like, Mom, like, like, it's cool. It's chill. Like, I, I like, no one messes with me on the street because I'm, like, listening to music and I look crazy. Like, no one ever, no one ever, bo- like, bothered me. I, I mean, I've been bullied by, like, people who are bigger than me because I'm not, like, that big of a guy. But I was cool about it and I kept trying to tell her, like, it, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. So, um... I leave Constitutional Hall, I go to Union Station, and uh, I'm waiting in the bus line. I'm, like, texting her. I'm, like, it's cool, Mom, getting on the bus. You know, I'm listening to some Prince or something like that. I'm, like, yeah, it'll be tight. Um, and the thing about the mega bus is that, you know, it drives from D.C. to Baltimore to sometimes Boston or, like, Philly and Delaware or what have you. Not in that order. And then you get to New York. So this ride happened to stop at all of the stops, and uh, I got myself a reserved seat up in the top window side, because I'm like, you know, uh, if it's a red-eye thing, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going like, to have some kind of like you know, exclusivity here, and usually people don't choose to buy the reserved ones, so you sometimes get left with like a free row, if y'all know what I'm talking about, No. Yes. So, I mean, I mean, we're like rolling through these cities. I've, I've got like 86% on my phone. I mean, I'm listening to like Bruce Springsteen, Nebraska. Like I'm just using up all the, the social data I can muster up and I know that my mom pays that bill so we're on a family plan. And I'm like, damn it, but I'm gonna do it. Um, we go through Delaware, no one sits next to me. I mean, I've got my leg like stretched out. Um, we go through like, you know, Baltimore and everything. No one sits there. I'm really living it up. Um, Around like three o'clock rolls in and we stop outside of 7-Eleven and we're in Philly. And like there's nowhere else to sit but the empty, vacant, reserved seats. And uh, I don't know if you guys in New York are familiar with Dipset or like the diplomats, like Joel Santana, Jim Jones, Cameron. So like this dude comes and sits next to me, this really big guy who's like Cameron, It sits next to me and I'm like, ah, fuck. So I don't have any more space. I like put my legs up on the uh, kind of, thing on the rest and I I had the armrest but I do this kind of thing where I'm compensating so I take the edge of it because I'm like still trying to be like, hey, I'm going to give you your space but like I deserve a little bit, yeah. Uh, So I keep my arm there and like at this point, it's really late at night and like the bus is a whole nother place. People are sleeping, snoring. I swear someone was smoking all the three S's Um, and uh, this guy, um, I had my arm there And I like watching the road. I'm listening to music. I'm at like 30-something percent on my phone. And uh, I just feel this feeling that feels like a spider crawling on me or something. And uh, I look. And the dude who had like, he looked like he was going to sleep. His hand was like slowly inching over. And I just see like this pinky thing. Now look. I'm like a touring musician and stuff like that. A lot of planes, trains, and automobiles. I can't sleep normally on them because I have a thing when I fall asleep I'm I'm prone to wake up on someone's like shoulder and be like I'm so sorry or like I fall out the aisle so I try and like stay awake and like conversely I give people a lot of benefit of the doubt because when you're in that early REM cycle you don't know what is going to happen and I was like oh man this guy's just trying to go to sleep so I would just like shake his hand off or something and he would like reposition uh, like, another minute went by, and I'm, like, still there. And then I feel the spider again. And I see this hand thing. I shake it off. I give him more benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah, he's just trying to fall asleep. But if it happens again, uh, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. You know, which is a lie. Mind you, he's a bigger guy, you know. It's whatever. And um, it happens again. And so I feel bad just waking him up because he's like, huh? And I'm like, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I know you're trying to sleep, but like, like your hand keeps like, you know, coming over on my, in my hand. I don't know if you. So, you know, he's like, he's like oh, aye, my fault. My fault. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. It's cool, man. It's cool. So um, I just take my arm out of the equation. Clean out of the equation. Clean out of the equation. And um, then I just feel this other thing. He's sitting to my left. I'm on the inside, Right. Really tight up there. If you, really, if you've been on the mega bus in the top row, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I just feel this thing on my left leg like going up and down <laughs> and up and stop and down. And I was like, you know, man, <laughs> the rhythm of this is just. It's just wrong. So then I'm like, okay, hmm. I like kinda like do a little like Chuck Berry thing and like shake, <laughs> shake this sh- shit off. And I'm like, this is, this is nuts. Like this guy, he really needs to go see like a sleep therapist or something like that. Like this isn't, this isn't it. You know, he's not living his life right. And uh, I, like, shake it off again, and then, you know, he, moved, he moves his body, like, I'm sleeping, and then, like, another, like, six minutes go by, and he kind of repositions, and now we're grazing legs again. And then, like, another two minutes go by, and I just feel this thing just once again. I'm like, oh, my God, can we get to New York already? Like, we're this is so claustrophobic. I can't deal with this. And um, then, uh, like, after I shake my, my leg off, um, my phone is dead now, too. Um, he just, like, sits up like he's watching the road, just like me, because I was like, I can't sleep on this bus anyway. I'm going to get there at 5. And he's watching the road. I'm watching the road. Another, like, 10 minutes go by, and then I feel, like, a tap on my shoulder. And I'm like, huh? Hmm? And I'm looking this guy in the eye, and he's looking at me in the eye. And then he just, he, like, gestures down. I'm like, what? I'm, so, I'm like, so groggy. I'm like, huh? And I look down, and he's holding an iPhone 4. He's holding an iPhone 4, and it's, <laughs> it's really, like, it's, it's, like, this cracked screen. It's, like, it's abysmal. It's a horrible thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking, and I can make out. It's on the Notes app. I see that, that distinguishable yellow. I'm like, all right. And I see words. I'm trying to make it out. And I see, with no caps, it says, can I touch it? and I'm still trying to make it out. And as soon as I do, the first thing I do is I go,
2: (laughs) and
1: then there's a beat, there's a little beat. And uh, in that beat, a lot of stuff floods into my mind and I, I, but I'm looking at, I turn to him and I go, no. And he's looking at me like, oh, so you not, you ain't not. And he's, like, looking at my shoes. I'm, like, wearing these shoes and stuff. And I'm, like, thinking. There's this pause. And all, everything just floods back. The whole, the last two hours I've been with this guy flood back, like, the hand thing, the, like, the leg thing. And I was, like, oh, man, I've been, like, courted for this thing. But then a lot of other thoughts came to me. And I, and, I, and I, like, looked at this guy, and I thought about this guy, and I never, part of the shock was that I never would have expected this kind of, like, interaction from when he stepped on the bus. The most I was thinking about was, like, damn, I can't stretch out in this, like, seat anymore. But I was, like, I imagined what this man's life is like. I mean, we picked him up in downtown Philly. I mean, he's the most thugged-out dude you could, like, imagine. I mean, he had ice and all kinds of stuff, and, like, um... I just know what it's like, you know, in the black community, in every community, because what so much of the civil rights movement is about and consciousness is about is getting people to understand that black folk, like brown folk, like Asian American folk, Asian folk, every kind of people, we're all multifaceted, right? And then, thusly, we all belong in one group of people. But that comes with the understanding that we're all layered, right? And I know how repressive homosexuality works, especially in my community. And I was like, the last thing I'm gonna do to this guy, the last thing I'm gonna do to him is shame this man about anything. Because then I looked at that sentence he sent me and it was just, can I touch it with no question mark how innocent it comes off. And really he just thought I was another guy like him. And I was like, this might be the only place that he can really explore that. Because when he goes home, no one, no one is is going to tolerate that stuff. Even though plenty of people are probably on the low. That's like the way that it works. So we get off the bus. We're at like FIT. And like I'm looking around like, where, where is this guy? I like peek back and he's like got his Knicks hat on and he just ducks back behind the corner. And he's like super secretive. And... Going forward in my life, like, I found, like, I dealt with this thing in, like, three ways. The first way, I was just in shock. And I was, like, hitting up my mom. And I was, like, not only were you right, but, like, the craziest thing just happened to me. Mom, like, what? And then I went through this other phase where then I, like, tried to, like, turn it into this, like, this crazy thing happened to me, like, as a joke, you know? And, like, my friends, like, we ended up, like, making a song. was, like, five, six, seven, eight. Hey, you, man on the bus, come over here and... Exactly. and then the third the third thing that happened was like all those micro thoughts really all came back and there were times when I like just broke down in tears thinking about this guy and how many people like end up like you live your life like that or you have to I don't know man it's just it's tough Um, but yeah that's that's my story (laughs)
3: I was a 16-year-old living in Valley Stream, Long Island, and um, the only thing I did pretty much with all my time, every day, all day, was graffiti. I was a graffiti writer. So, um, but anyway, I was obsessed with it. I read graffiti magazines. I watched graffiti videos. I did graffiti. I talked about graffiti. I would ignore girls to look at graffiti behind them. You know, it was like crazy, absolutely insane. And, uh, and, you know, I had a bunch of my friends that were like that, too. The thing that's really cool about graffiti is that it's not just like, uh, you know, like when you play music, a lot of the time, it's, you get a lot of the same type of people that do something, you know. In graffiti, it was like, I was friends with a 14-year-old Puerto Rican kid from Brooklyn. I was friends with like a 35-year-old guy from the Bronx who, for some reason, wanted to talk to me all the time, you know. And I, I had, I had a, a nice wide array of races, ages. We were all cool we all love doing it and we were united by it you know so I lived in Valley Stream though which sucked for graffiti it was Long Island nobody good there except me <laughs> no not really I wasn't good either but I was trying to become good and so every Saturday and Sunday I would wake up at like you know 5 a.m 4:30 a.m load up my backpack full of you know, like 50 pounds worth of Krylon and Rust-Oleum and put, walk a mile to the Long Island Railroad, sit on the train with my friend. This particular weekend, I was with my uh, Turkish friend, my, my Muslim friend, a, a Muslim and a Jew. Go to Manhattan uh, do graffiti. <laughs> anyway, we're, uh, his name is Murder, by the way.
0: <laughs> okay. Anyway, that was his
3: real name. It was a different time, and uh, and so, murder and I are on the train to Manhattan. <laughs> Me and murder, and we and we uh, get to Penn, get to Penn Station. You know, we 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 get off the train. We take the subway to the Upper West Side. There was a spot there called the Freedom Tunnels, which was a really interesting place because. There's Riverside Park, which is beautiful, grassy, families, (laughs) giggling, like frisbees, all that stuff. Then you go to the handball court, where there are guys, at that point, maybe they weren't in short shorts, but, you know, they still would look weird to us now, like playing racquetball and stuff. And then to the left, there was a little chain link fence with a hole in it that other graffiti writers had cut. And you'd go through the hole, and it was like Narnia. The park is gone, it's completely silent, and you're in an endless wasteland of just rubble, concrete, brick, you know, metal coming out right under the West Side Highway. And uh, to the left is the entrance of the Amtrak tunnels where all the mole people lived. You know, that movie Dark Days was about that tunnel. It was like, if you want to kill somebody, go there. Like, that's, that's where you do it. Um, but on the other side of the handball court was a big beautiful wall for us to do graffiti on so we would go there and as soon as we went through the hole you stand on this little ledge with a pit of life-threatening shit behind you and you know, go into the trance it was was beautiful so we're painting in our trance you know, probably thinking things like you know, I, I was for sure and uh, I don't know about murder, but but uh, <clears throat> he was like n- he was like not that good, you know what I mean? So he was just like fuck, <laughs> you know. But I was like I was on a hero trip. I'm like wait until they see this, you know. And you know you really really enter a trance there. It's like it's not at night. It wasn't bombing. It wasn't like like yo son now now. You know it wasn't like that. It was it was more of it was like Buddhist. So, uh, something funny about Buddhism? <laughs> just kidding. So uh, anyway, so so I'm completely, uh, completely just enraptured in this, in retrospect, ugly piece that I was doing, and all of a sudden I hear Murder utter the dreaded syllables, "Yo five o, Yo 5 o five o." Cops, 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 cops. I turned around and somehow a police car, not, not foot patrolmen, you understand, but an entire car had enough time to sneak up on us. If I had turned around one time, I would have seen them this big that far away, which is where they had to have started to reach us. And I would be like, oh, cops, let's get the fuck out of here. You know? didn't happen. The the first time I saw them, they were right there. We're like, whoa. So I jump over the hole. I I jumped through the hole in the fence. Now hours have gone by. I left my bag and the park is in full swing. It's like Saturday morning in the park, you know, and in in my world, I'm just like rocking shit. And in their world, it's like softball, you know. So I had to run through a little league game (laughs) with murder. And, and me and Murder are running for our lives. You know, I don't want to get arrested. My parents don't know I'm here, you know. I'm at someone's house, like, playing Nintendo, as far as they're concerned. So I'm running top speed, and I'm not an athlete, you know. And I literally have to, like, like get the fuck out of the way, kid, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry that you're eight, but you're in my way. I can't get arrested because of you. So we're running through the park. I turn around, I don't see the cops. I'm like, all right, we're good, we're good. Just keep going, go up the hill, go up the hill. You'll lose them, it's gonna be cool. I turn around again, two cops. And not, not like, you know. <sighs> we're not talking about 45 year old, like like it's my last day before retirement, cops. We're talking like fucking Captain America, cops. Like short haircuts, like Terminator cops, Like <laughs> like. You know, like, I'm gonna lose. As soon as I see their bodies, I'm like, oh no. Oh no. So, I don't know why, but in my mind, I I had this idea. I was like, (laughs) while I'm running top speed, you know, there's like women like looking at us, cops behind us, parents yelling. And I'm like, I know what I'll do. (sighs) I'm gonna take my shirt off, change my description. (laughs) Which I did. Because in my mind it was like like you know, attention all units. There's a skinny fucking idiot running through the park in a red shirt. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's gone. Where'd he go? And I'm just like, yeah. So anyway, I'm running with I'm running with my shirt off. Murder. I just remember him being like. And I was you know, I was like confused about what he was confused about. I'm like, what did you get, stupid? Anyway, so we're running as fast as we can, I turn around, I'm not kidding, one of the Captain America cops has found, I don't know how, I don't know if he kicked her off it, but he is now riding a little girl's bicycle (laughs) perfectly in hot pursuit of me. And at this point, I think I may have slowed down just to be like, what? You know? And he gains on me. He closes the gap, like, easily. You know? Just a little extra humiliation. By the way, I didn't like having my shirt off at this time. I never would have done it, like, in any... I was, I weighed, like, 45 pounds. So, you know, they may have been like, there's a starving guy running. That's, he's been trapped in a basement. So, so, uh... Anyway, uh, one of the cops, like, as he's pedaling, with total, like, calm, he goes, you may as well just stop now. (laughs) And that's what I remember is the calm in his voice. Like, it was just like, you know, it's like someone who's ready to checkmate you, like, should I do it now? (laughs) In the time it took me to think about whether I should stop running or not, this guy in one fluid motion from the child's bicycle dove off <laughs> like in slow motion like cameras around him like Shh, you know basically with his eyes closed and just like tumbled onto me you know got his knee on my neck or whatever like the special ops training you know whatever like military training facility he just got there from And the first thing he says to me, with his knee on my back is, you're a pretty big guy, huh? Like, fuck shit, don't talk about my body. (laughs) Murder gets caught too. So, now Murder and I are getting paraded, back through the children's baseball game, to the applause of everyone there. (laughs) Like, literally, I, I remember like a dude with like a newspaper like, It was like, it's in sports, you know, it's my life. Okay, so we get there, and now both cops are like, you shouldn't run. (laughs) I love the tension in the room. Everyone's like, did they kill you? Are you dead? They're like, you shouldn't run. we don't like when you make us run. I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, I had like a real heavy Long Island accent too. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, officer, you know. And he goes, is that your bag? It's like, okay, in the graffiti world, you don't admit shit. If somebody asks you a question, you're like, I don't know. Like, what's a bag? You know, like, (laughs) that's a Simpsons joke and I gotta give credit. Anyway, (laughs) what's a truck? So, so, I couldn't lie. I don't know. I was under the spell. I was. Uh, they looked good, you know. I, I was just like, "Yes, sir," <laughs> you know. Like, and uh, he's like, "Open it." And I was like, "You know, I don't see. The thing is, I don't understand what's going on here. Like, I don't know. I'm like, uh, you know, I didn't smoke weed or anything. So I knew that what was. It's like you already caught me doing it. Or like, what do you want to know? What's in my bag for? You know. But then I open it up and I look and I see that I have a black book. All graffiti writers have black books, which are basically just hardcover art books that are empty. We pass them around to each other. We get all our favorite writers in them to do pieces. And you know, they're like, uh, as, as cocky and conceited as graffiti writers are, they're fangirls with each other. And it's just like, oh, he that's a nice one. Yo, that's, that's dope, son. That's dope. That's tight. I like that. It's like, You know? So anyway, my book was full of pieces. The thing I forgot is that one of my friend's brothers, who was a dick, ruined my book with stuff that said, Fuck cops, Fuck pigs must die, like on the cover in blue. And I looked at it and I was like, oh shit. Because I'm sure that, that when the cop sees that and I'm like, officer, that's not, it wasn't me. You know, he's like, oh, I'm sure it wasn't, kid. This was written in the book, I don't know, 25 times. Like, he, he made a point of ruining my book. So he goes, let me see that. It's like, oh. there you go. And then I watch as, as true, genuine magic unfolds. And he misses every single page that says that. And I'm, I think at this point, I'm just like. <laughs> and he's like, you did that there? I'm like, again, don't admit anything. You didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. What? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, I used to do a little bit of writing myself what? (laughs) Yeah, I used to write uh, Frisco. He's like, "Uh, I got a book. You want to see it? I'm like, yeah. (laughs) He goes to the trunk of his car, takes out his black book, shows it to me, and then he's like, oh yeah, you see that guy there? You know that guy? I'm like, yeah? He's like, yeah, I caught him. I I mean, I I didn't arrest him, but uh, yeah, he signed my book. I'm just like, cool, cool, what else? He's like, oh, you know this guy here? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's awesome, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right, I'm like, yes. I'm like, it's happening, what I want, you know, and, and then he goes, uh, he goes, he goes, you, uh, you, would you do a piece for me? I'm like, yes absolutely i mean i have to go eat dinner with my family now because i'm a child but i will i'll come back next week if you want to meet he's like yeah all right same time i'm like wake up at 4:30 a.m again like sure yeah that sounds right cut to one week later we meet up he's like hey i'm like whoa johnny mcginty what the fuck what's up we go to the tunnel he takes out spray paint that he confiscated from another writer, and he goes, hey, go, make it, make it silver, make it, you know, make it nice. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make it nice for you. I'm gonna make it real nice for you. And we go into the mouth of this tunnel where, you know, Silence of the Lambs came out like a couple years earlier. It's like, things like that were on my mind, you know what I mean? It's like, if he wanted to, I could straight up be this dude's like costume in like a week, you know, but. I don't get that vibe off him. You know, he's got more like a meat and potatoes kind of vibe. He's not, not like a, I'm going to be you <laughs> kind of thing. So, you know, I did the piece. And then he's like, what are you doing now? I'm like, nothing. He's like, you want to go take pictures of graffiti in the Bronx? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so we get, we get in the car, go all over the Bronx, taking pictures of graffiti, which were great, by the way, which I still have. And then it's like, all right, man, see you later. It's like, all right, take care. I'm like, all right, <laughs> bye. Six months later, I'm in the exact same place because nothing can touch me now. <laughs> and now I've I've gotten good enough that I'm being videotaped for a graffiti video, my favorite graffiti video. So this is like the biggest moment of my life still. And uh, kind of. So, so... So we're all there. I'm with Carl Weston, who who runs Videograph, who is, he's older than me. He's, like, a pretty big black dude, and he doesn't like cops that much. He, he had been harassed by the cops a lot, and a few of my other friends, and right in the middle of me being interviewed with my face all masked up, being, like, uh, answering questions. I was basically doing impressions of the tough graffiti writers that I'd watched videos of so that when they saw me, they'd be like, oh, he's tough, too. So it was, like, it was basically my first acting job. Because I was just like, what do I think about legal graffiti? Um, I guess it's not graffiti. I mean, if you ask me, you know. I mean, people can do what they want, but <laughs> it's like that. So, so uh, I'm in the middle of being that guy. And, uh, and the, co- the cops come again. But a lot more of them. And McGinty is not one of them. So <laughs> I have to go through the humiliating process of taking my mask down on camera and being like, we're just doing art, officer. Like fully breaking character, being like, it's just art. <laughs> you know, Bambi vibe. And, uh, and uh, they're like, yeah, that's cool. You're, you're going to be under arrest, though, right now. All is. You're going to be under arrest. My friend's like, yo, what the fuck? Tell them. I'm like, nah, I feel weird tell him man he's like calling in reinforcements for some reason and he goes he goes yo if you don't fucking tell him we're all fucked you understand that I'm just like okay um you guys know officer Johnny McGinty they are like you know McGinty it's like yeah why didn't you fucking say that (laughs) I don't know (sighs) we already called it in what does that mean? It means we got to do something. Well, what are you gonna do? Let me think a second. Don't you fucking tell me you knew McGinty. All right, we're gonna give you desk appearance tickets. Get the fuck out of here. Give us our tickets. I'm just like, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cut to 20 years later. I get an email, I just put up my website, put up all my videos, music stuff on there, and I also put up my graffiti with my tag. I get an email with a picture of a Frisco piece. It was him. (laughs) How you been? Seems like you're doing well. I'm glad. I wrote him back. It was good vibes. And he's here tonight. Back corner. There he is. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, if you ever, uh, you ever need to get out of anything,
0: Ariel East, accompanied by the great John Coward, who's actually uh, playing right now beneath me. He also played on this version of the Tell theme song uh, written by a fool. She has an album that you should find on the internet called Rooms. You spell Ariel, A-E-R-I-A-L Ariel East Um, and it's her real name. Her mother looked up the spelling of the name Ariel in the dictionary and so spelled it that way. We also heard stories first from Brendan Cook Who's an amazing musician? I've seen play in so many of my favorite bands. I've seen him play with Blood Orange and Chairlift, uh, but he has his own band called Starchild and the New Romantic. You can look them up on the internet. Um, and then you have Jack Dishel, uh, who has an amazing web series that he stars in and writes. I mean, he does everything um, called Drivers, D R Y V E R S. Um, about different situations with Uber drivers, potential <laughs> potential bizarre Uber driver experiences. Um, so yeah, he also used to be in the Moldy Peaches and he has his own band, Only Son. Um, so thanks to everybody for the stories. Thank you to Gabriel Galvin and Natalia Schween for co-producing The Tell and, uh, and the podcast. As far as The Tell live series, we are switching locations for the series. I will announce soon the new location, but we are having a last hurrah installment at national sawdust on october 23rd so you can find out about that at national you can follow the tell and get all the updates about the new location and everything else at facebook.com slash the tell stories or at michael leviton.com it's a good place you can also follow me on instagram at michael leviton so that was the tell episode three
4: Your story a story you won't tell But yeah I witnessed how it unspool it's brilliant 'cause it's written by a fool. the girl who broke the rules got her come comeuppance lost her cool it's brilliant cause it's written by a fool You're riding by accident you're crying for lack of sense at the ending when the plot is spent you'll be the only one who won't understand just what it meant Don't care about your grammar. I like your twists and turns. Are you a genius or a dunce on a stool? It's brilliant because it's written by a fool. I'm seeking a fitting rhyme How would a tragedy it be If you were mine Oh yeah A tearjerker From certain points of view teaches a lesson you should read it in school it's brilliant cause it's written by a fool it's brilliant cause it's written by a fool it's brilliant cause it's written